This is a Forwardly podcast. Dateline, Hollywood, California. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Why is it that Tinseltown can seem to tell those stories worth a damn? Never fear, dear listeners. There is a cure for this condition. Is there a doctor in the house? In fact, there's two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood RX. The doctors are incontinent. But not for long. (laughs) That's what this podcast is for. How are you, Dr. D? I am dumbfounded. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I forgot to look up my list of B words. (laughs) A little uh, a little trick of mine. Um, but, uh, no, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm so happy to be. Has this already fallen apart? Do we have to start over? (laughs) No, not at all. It's all good. It's magic. This is the gold. This is what they, this is the gold. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't get better than this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the tomorrow war. This Amazon prime original movie starring a Chris Pratt and Yvonne Strahovski in a time-traveling, save-the-world scenario. I'm going to actually start this conversation with a question to you, Dr. D. Oh, yeah. And that question is, what is it about time travel that always seems to give us some of the worst movies ever made? (laughs) Uh, well, that is a fair question. Um, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. This time travel itself, like as a subject, seems to be irresistible because, because as a species or whatever, we keep going back to this idea of what if you could go forward? What if you could go backward? What would so on? So we're, we're destined sure. to have them over and over again as though we're trapped in our own Groundhog's Day. What makes them so bad, I think, is because, possibly, that the appeal of the gimmick of it being a time travel story overrides, sometimes, I think, other building blocks of story. Hmm. And so you end up um, not creating a satisfying um, flow to it in many cases there have been a few that are notably different that are well liked and popular or even i don't even want to go into like including cult favorites but i mean it's hard to deny that back to the future made an impact and kind of quote unquote did it well but it was very it was very light it was a they yes time travel has also given us some some excellent movies yes right not not denying that at all but (laughs) No, no, I understand. So there are a couple that have really have done transcended. It, done it well, transcended. Thank you. But uh, yes, tomorrow more is not one of them. I, I, what do you think? What do you think the reason is? Well, no, the very fact you asked the question indicated that you were putting it into the. Into okay, the, All right. just in case yeah. it wasn't clear. Okay, yeah. it is not a one percenter. This movie. Why do I think? Um, well, what do you think th- is not not about the, this movie itself, but 
No, in general, no, no, your no. question, the very question. Uh, that's funny because I asked it and I hadn't really thought of an answer for my own. Yeah. Um, what do I think it is? I think, essentially, I think what you said, it, uh, it, it allows people to take liberties with story and there's a greater license for quote-unquote twists with time travel stories that you mm-hmm. normally wouldn't get in right. just a regular linear story. So I think that's that's part of the appeal. But I think it's also definitely, like you said, on the existential level that this idea of changing, change, making a change in the past that you know, sets a future, you know, the present off on a different course or going into the future just to see what everything's like. Right. How did this all turn out? Yeah. Right, right. Well, yeah, okay. So let's do our quick takes here. Or do you feel you've done your quick take already with your diabolical question? Um, no, I, I, I would say um, my quick take on this was uh, that I was within five minutes, I was like, oh, okay. This is a real turd. I was just, I was stunned at how amateurish the script was Mm. in the setup of this thing, just in terms of the exposition of characters, very poorly directed uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like actors blocking and cutting. And it was just, this was like borderline incompetent. It was about halfway through the movie that I realized Oh, you know what? This is like those. Remember that studio from the '80s, Canon. Remember Canon Films? Yeah, they made sure, things like sure. the Delta Force and you know right, Invasion right, USA right. and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's like this is kind of like those movies. It's just the i th- this idea that's so preposterous, but they just charge ahead through it and <laughs> hope that it's all the action and effects that are going to keep people right engaged. Right. Um, no, I, I, I thought it was borderline deplorable. Shame on everyone and Amazon involved in greenlighting this thing. That's my quick now, take. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have quite as much venom while watching it as you as you seem to. Um but it was sort of like um I was just really curious because there's so many actors in it who I trust um, oh. to to be in things where the goods are delivered. I felt I mean Chris Pratt is fairly reliable. Um, what have you seen me, him in that you liked him? Yeah, what 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 is it about Chris Pratt? What is it about Chris Pratt? Let me finish my just overall take, and we can get into Chris Pratt. Um, okay, but I'm sorry. Uh, between uh, between Chris Pratt, uh, Sam Richardson's an actor I like. J.K. Simmons is a god. Um, uh, Yvonne Strahovski, if that's how you pronounce her name, it wouldn't be an episode of Hollywood or X if one or the other of us didn't mangle somebody's name. Um, these are all people that, knowing that they were in it, was part of what attracted me to it. I didn't even realize it had a time travel element to it. I didn't know that until I kind of got there. I wasn't angry while I was watching. I ended up feeling sad for the people in it that I had, the people in it who had drawn me to it. Oh. I thought, oh, well, you know, they all have mortgage payments. Maybe one of them's a balloon payment somebody's got to make or something, or, you know, they're on hiatus from. TV projects or something, so they're running out. Uh, and all state commercials? What the F? And all state commercials. Look, that guy's probably, he's secured his retirement with his all state commercials. Um, I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, all the more reason why he doesn't have to do something like this. Well, but 
Yeah, the thing is, is oh, that's a good question. Let's get him on the phone and ask him why he said yes. Um, but part, maybe partly because he doesn't get offered this kind of part. He doesn't get to be in action movies or big, you know, right. what might have been sold as like a big Hollywood tentpole type movie. So anyway, that's the completion of that. On Chris Pratt. Uh, I, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think you, you like. Well, I, I came to I came to enjoy his work in particular in, on television in Parks and Rec. Um, he was on that show for its entire run as, I think, Andy played. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was just a silly, goofy, you know, kind of uh, annoying sort of boyfriend. Um, and I'm not even sure if he did the whole run. Which is bad of me not to remember, but I think he—I think he was. Um, and then, yeah, he sort of segued into movies in a big way with um, with Guardians of the Galaxy, and and this was at a time when my kids were the right age, and so on and so forth. So I definitely saw the Guardian film, the first one in the theaters, and was very amused and entertained and charmed by him and that whole thing of the Marvel oeuvre, which largely kind of leaves me cold except for a few notable exceptions guardians of the galaxy the first one is one of those exceptions where i think it's a really well-made standalone little thing that doesn't rely too heavily on superheroes and kind of magic um and he's super charming and very roguish and rakish and all kinds of stuff in that so uh Hmm. and similarly he had a had a similar kind of a feel in the jurassic park film he the first one he did and I'm sure he was in more than one at this point, but um, diminishing returns on some of that. So, mm. yeah, to see that he's going to be holding a gun and being in, and I've seen him and he's been like in not Black Hawk Down, but he's been in a couple things like that, where or at least one thing like that, where he was, you know, where he played a modern day, relatively modern day military, you know, guy. So I know he knows how to carry a gun and, and look convincing in that regard. Not everybody can. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was sort of the appeal for him, uh, for me, for him. Sam Richardson is an actor I know from Veep originally. Um, uh, let me see what the name of his character was here. Cause I don't want to do him a disservice and any more of a disservice than I normally do for everybody. Um, he played Charlie, um, the sort of heavyset nerdish, uh, African-American fellow. Um, and and seeing that he was in this, I was like, I want to go see this because in Veep, he's terrific as a guy who's very sweet and kind and out of step from everybody else in the thing, all of whom are wielding stilettos, essentially. He's in this, he's hmm. in a shark tank and he's he's just this happy little fish in the shark tank and he's not quite able to keep up with everyone. But he was very sweet and funny in those things. And anytime I see him in something, I go, I got to I got to check that out because I liked him. So and Ivan uh, Strahovski, uh, again, from TV, going back to Chuck, which I didn't watch, but the rest of the family members watched it. So I saw her on my TV a lot. And then uh, Handmaid's Tale. I mean, yeah, she's just phenomenal in that. And that's where I started feeling sad, because now I know what she's capable of. In Chuck, she was an ass kick. So I knew she could do ass kick here. Um, But now I know how much more she can do. And so I'm sitting here watching it going, God darn it. You're, you're, there's so much, you're so much better than this. What are we, what are we doing here? What are the two of us doing here? I asked Yvonne. Um, And I'd forgotten that JK Simmons was in it. Basically I'll forgive him anything, but you know, um, (laughs) I I don't think I need to justify my JK Simmons uh, feelings because he's sort of earned it over time although we definitely can dive into him a little bit more 
So, yeah, let, let's just dive right into this. So Please. the basic setup of the movie is that there are there's a team of soldiers who come from the future into mm-hmm. the past from 30 years from now, 28 years from now, to recruit people from our present to go fight in the future. But then she also says, in 11 months, the human race will no longer exist. And I'm already like, wait, (laughs) is that 11 months, wait, from whence you came? From now? What? Suddenly that 11 months, they threw me off. I believe that that they were fighting a war in the future that they were destined to lose in less than a year. And they needed to recruit soldiers, basically cannon fodder in a way. Oh yeah. Because if they know they're going to lose 70% of the people they're bringing, they're bringing people just to die. So that 30% who don't. Well, that was clear. Although I, I, I I questioned the whole method of uh, how they, how they assembled all these recruits together since one guy's wearing a chef hat like what he came straight from the kitchen to report for duty uh, listen, you got to be kidding I, me i think there was the the way that they were dressed once they became quote unquote soldiers and they weren't given really any boot camp it was basically like here's a gun point it this direction this is how you pull the trigger and then hope for the best they were all doomed to get anywhere i mean listen okay look oh my god i'm getting so mad now Let's let's do a page one rewrite. Let's stick with the idea that we're gonna we're gonna have to recruit people from the past to be soldiers in the future, and we are going to target our prime people are people who are going to be dead by the time we're bringing them into anyway. That's the only thing I liked about the setup. Okay, so you don't start by looking what chefs are available. Who's gonna die of diabetes in the next six months? Let's get them. You no, start I... by you start by recruiting ex-military people who will be dead in the future. Uh, I think they say in the the, the montage of news yeah. broadcasts at the beginning of the movie that that that's what they did. That 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 armies were the first to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I I only questioned why the guy showed up for. Oh, day one training wearing, wearing a, chef a chef hat. Well, he possibly didn't want to be there. Maybe like jury duty, he was hoping he would get sent home if he looked foolish enough. But everybody was there in clothing that seemed inappropriate. Well, everyone was in there in casual clothing, sure. It seems to me like you would tell people, you know, bring a pair of Wear sweats. something simple and comfortable. Yeah. Right. You right. know, uh, well, <laughs> but I don't know. I seriously sad. started, I seriously started to wonder after a while if this movie was supposed to be a comedy. Because it was that bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know that Sam Richardson was supposed to be something of the, of a level of comic relief, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I was, I was um, anxious for him to die. I just I all felt the supporting like, um, characters. I just I, w- I was waiting for them to be toast. Right. I, I mean, I had a feeling that because I recognized certain people, they were going to live at least well into the second act possibly still be around by the time the third act uh got here yeah there there were too many attempts at comic relief that just didn't feel very appropriate uh the or or sort of earned yeah the 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 i mean another another 
wrong foot it got off on was uh, the landing of the future people in the middle of uh, the Super Bowl. And this, this, this floating down to earth effect that mm-hmm. looked like out of something from like the eighties or the early nineties is oh, really, really yes. poor. At the, at the, at the, um, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about something else. You're talking about when the, when the recruit, when the crew recruiting team arrived, they came yeah. in. Well, okay, that's fine. But it does make a little bit of sense to me. It wasn't specifically, it wasn't football. It was soccer because soccer is a much more internationally right, okay, interesting soccer. and covered and watched. So it would certainly get them, internationally. Yeah. So yeah, if you're making an appeal to the planet, it makes sense you would do it at a an event yeah. like that. But it did. The effect didn't look all that good. I will give you that. And it didn't seem no. consistent with how the effect looked other times things happen. Like, it, it seems to me every time on, on the Enterprise, every time they ever beamed anywhere up or down, it always looked the same. Yeah. But when these people were using the portal, some of them are just strolling in out of the out of a haze, and some people are plummeting from. I mean, no wonder you only have a thirty percent survival. You're dr- dropping people in the air with no parachutes, and they're plummeting the earth. I don't even understand well, no. what that was supposed to be. Well, no, 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 no. Uh-oh, they were I supposed to be, like like at the end. They were supposed to be dropped five to ten feet from the ground. Okay. But in transit, something went screwy with the thing on the other end so it's like they 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 got shot out early okay i i just i i didn't track that when it was happening i thought what it well it's kind of funny because they 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 explain how you know there's this wormhole right the two Mm -hmm. two little islands in a river or whatever two rafts Rafts, in a stream yes right yeah um so if you're traveling in it and somehow that connection gets broken my thinking is you don't get to where you want to go but now you're just higher up in the sky right <laughs> you'd be you'd be an interruption in that wormhole would put you down at a different time right different time and place and presumably place uh, yeah. yeah i don't know how they were controlling at least in back to the future his place stayed the same right i i, I didn't quite get how like oh they Almost got to the ground, but oh, that wormhole <laughs> cut them off right. just a few hundred feet shy. Right, because otherwise you just give them some parachutes or some hope of getting to the ground. But when they were not being told important things before they got there for fear that they wouldn't go, I thought, oh, maybe this is, I mean, thank God there was a swimming pool. But some of those uh, people cracking. Uh, and even know. that wasn't going to break a fall. I mean, right. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, we can we could go like scene by scene and talk about like why this scene sucked and that scene sucked. It, it was just it was this was laughably bad. I thought. Well, it's uh, yeah. Well, it okay. Seriously, yeah. felt like a twelve-year-old wrote it. Um. Yes, and/or that they were writing it for a twelve-year-old. This is the other problem that's happening to me as I get older. As I realize more and more, no one is making things that they intend for to be entertaining for me. Um, particularly not was summer. Right. Summer fair. Who was right? Scorsese was right. Oh. <laughs> they don't make them like they used to. Oh, you got you that know what, right. though? Yeah, well, but, you but know, Scorsese. Yeah, well, but uh, you know what? Now you've got. Now you've pissed me off. Look, you old fucking crotchety fuck. I don't mind making him mad. Me, me or Scorsese. Scorsese. Oh, look. Yeah, you know how they originally made them silently, but things changed, and then they added sound. I'm sure there was some curmudgeon 
when they introduced sound and went, God damn it, they don't make them the way they used to make them with no sound all yap, yap, yapping and driving me crazy. It, it, things evolved. Right. Well, that's a technological advancement, whereas he was talking more about nuance and themes and character development. And Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different thing he was complaining about because I thought he was complaining about comic books. I'm sorry. No, you are correct. Okay. No, no. Th there are two different things. Yes. No. He, he, oh, okay. He, there was that interview where he slagged off on, this, on the comic book movies. Oh, that's a separate and how reference. And compared them okay. to... I was, I was then there was them. like this this op-ed he wrote gotcha that was an extension of that and that's where he sort of decried that you know human concerns and emotions just don't mean anything anymore in movies understood and so i i will i will take back some of my ire i maybe uh wasn't appropriate in this case, and he has certainly given me much entertainment, and there's a lot to be found, uh, delightful discoveries in his work. Um, well, you know, I am not going to uh, take any any of my vitriol back now or later. <laughs> well, yes, because you're directing movie. it at this, as you have, have decried it to be at this turd, and I, we think I think that's fine. Oh, well, <clears throat> in that case, let me say, uh, I can wrap this up here pretty quickly, but... It just seemed to be going all over the place in terms of here we are in modern day, but not really modern day. And then here we are in the future. And now they're back, but now they're going to go to Russia. And now we're, you know, all just, it seems to just be going all over the place. I'll tell you what I did like, which was two things. And one of them for me made it worth the price of admission, in this case being my time. Oh. I did not come away with this going, oh, I'm so sorry I wasted that time. I come away with it going, that was worth it for me. Um, but I'm going to start with the thing that wasn't worth it. I'm teasing that worth it thing for a minute. Uh, the thing that I found interesting was how they sort of deduced that it wasn't that they arrived in the future. It's that they were al already here. Already here. Always here. And then, in fact, theoretically, global warming is what created that problem. Because as the ice caps melted, it defrosted them. Right. That they had crashed here accidentally. And getting a little bit more to the bottom of what they are and why they're here and what the fuck is going on. Although I, they, they're, they, the, 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 the cocoons were still sort of operating. Not frozen. Right. For millennia? I don't know how long it was supposed yeah, to be. I, I, yeah, I guess that, that's a I long guess maybe gestation it's like period. Put something in the refrigerator and it keeps longer. Maybe that's it. I, I, yeah, there's still some. Okay weirdness there but i'm not i'm not saying it's unassailable scientifically it's full of full of holes but i found that an interesting idea um and and i sort of even when we met the, kid, the volcano kid in act one i went well that kid's coming back later somehow and so uh, some of that was the fact that i was able to predict some of that was a little disappointing to me and i don't think it was a result of my being some sort of storytelling genius and i also found it kind of interesting Here's something they were doing in this that you don't usually see in time travel movies, unless I misunderstand what we, the way it was supposed to work was that they weren't dealing with loops. They weren't talking even about dealing with loops. Uh, Muri, his daughter, talks about watching her father die after a car accident. Right. Um, some years beyond the point at which we meet her. We meet her at eight or nine or something, and, and sometime when she was a teenager, it sounds like. He dies in a car accident after having divorced from his wife, and the family's splintered, and there's lots of unhappiness. And he dies, 
and she grows up and pursues her interest in science at MIT, and she combines that with military and sort of an honoring of her father's background, and she ends up in this place where she's now able to be at the forefront of battling what appears to be an alien invasion. And she's the one who says, we're going to have to send back and get people. She is the one who does that. And okay. so, so she sends back to get the dad. I mean, she sends back to get everybody, but part of everybody becomes her father, who then becomes instrumental in resolving the situation so that it doesn't happen. And so that he can now go back. It is back to the future. He can now go back to what was his old life before it disintegrated and, and treat it differently. He's not going to die in a car accident the second time through. But she might not graduate from MIT as a result. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I was just being interested in, I was just sort of exploring whatever the circle was that they were dealing with. Because a lot of times it's just, it, it eats its, its own tail. Right. Um, which, is, and which is why I liked that they sort of explained, they, they, they covered up front. We're only pulling people who are dead by the time by the year we're sending you to. Right, right. I was like, why has no one ever thought of that? <laughs> of course. Right. There was a time travel thing once. I think it was, I, I saw it on TV, so I don't know if it was a TV show, but it was an element of something, which was those planes that go down over the ocean that just crash yeah. and there's never anything found, that yeah. those were targets I think I know what you're gonna say. of a crew that was that was ported into that plane they pull everybody out. The plane is going down anyway. Nobody dies. No bodies are ever found, but nobody dies. All those people are then removed and taken to some future point or whatever it is. Actually, they are, in that movie, they are replaced with dead people from the future. Oh, really? Yes. And you didn't see that movie on TV. At least I don't think you did. Oh, no. I think We're... you saw it in the theater with me. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, and my that God. movie I feel is. so embarrassed. That movie is millennium with chris christopherson yes and uh cheryl ladd <laughs> did we see mm -hmm. it in chelsea uh no i think we may have seen that on the upper west side huh? i think that was when you were up on 72nd street <laughs> wow well my hat is off to you um that's yeah no i thought i thought of that movie too also with this and that movie now is looks like back to the future compared right. to this right you thought of that movie as in, I wish I was watching Millennium. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I feel like Chris Christopherson was in all of those movies we saw. I don't know. It just um, feels like it feels like he might have been in more than one. Oh, he was on a roll back then. Um, yeah, right? something like that. Um, Can't say that was the case. Well, so anyway, I just I just wanted to sit and sort of walk through what they were presumably telling us which is not about loops upon loops and now i realize it kind of is back to the future that as a result of his experience he changes his own kind of future but i love that you jump in and go yeah but she might not have such a good future so he jumps into the future and and you know she says you know you got to save these scientists and get that stuff out of the freezer and whatnot and then she says Okay, I need you out of there now. They're going to start bombing now. You got to get out of there now. You need to move now. And she says now for like 15 goddamn minutes. <laughs> it's like suddenly they're, they're creeping down the stairs real slow and this and that. And it's like, where's the urgency here? Right, right. A minute ago, 
you were five minutes late. <laughs> they went uh, as quickly as pointless, it was safe to do so. Pointless slow motion insert shots. I'm going to say the one thing that I felt uh, made it worth the trip for me. Yes. It was a combination of a moment and the, the visual of that moment. Let me and, guess. Yeah. The end credits. <laughs> uh, no, that would be your, <laughs> that would be yours. Um, it is a spoiler alert. Um, it is as he, listen, I love this. I loved this big beat that they had where they set up way from the beginning that at a certain point, whether you like it or not, your armband is going to send you home. The thing you're wearing on your hand is going to trigger your clock will go and you'll be sent back. And that he was then in a circumstance in the countdown in the seconds before he was going to get sent away. That he, the fact that he was holding somebody for their life, but that any second he was just literally going to disappear and he, there was going to be nobody holding him anymore. I kind of liked that, um, the stakes of that moment. Hmm. And that the person he's holding is his own daughter. And it appears as though she simply lets go in a way. Mm -hmm. not that he loses his grip because action heroes have endless grip they never mm. they hold on to the side of that fucking helicopter you know rod for mm -hmm. his, you know, way longer than any human being could. that's right because the vibration doesn't <laughs> it doesn't your, do anything and it doesn't do anything to clench arm muscles suspending no. your own weight yeah so uh and that shot both from his pov of her falling into the horde of aliens below but then that glorious wide shot that basically just looks like a still from a graphic novel of the horde below like sort of reaching up piling up on itself like an to ant get to her yeah exactly yeah. and then these two silhouettes of bodies because he does this extraordinary thing after she lets go is he launches himself after her which is such yeah. a futile and amazing thing to do as though even if you caught up with her what good is that going to do either one of you you're going to die, die together yeah yeah um, so I found that very powerful and kind of emotional and evocative. But so much of the dialogue prior to, the, you know, that that is where they took emotion and they put it into action. And that was very effective. All hmm. of the scenes where they took emotion and put it into words, I wanted to retch. Yeah. Because the words are so badly written, but I happen to know it's being given to actors who are capable of something. So you've wasted your you've wasted these people you've wasted everybody's time now i am getting mad good um, but good. here's here's something else that i thought of while i was watching i keep banging the tape i'm sorry i'm just gesturing i'm so passionate about this this is this other thing i was thinking about particularly in relation to our previous discussion about john krasinski is an argument could be made that john krasinski who started on television in a mockumentary style tv half hour comedy yeah and chris pratt who came to we came to know who was co-starring in a mockumentary style tv comedy that they're almost the same guy at about the same time they started a year or two apart and they played similar characters and it's just interesting to me how last week we were talking about krasinski and and sort of there was this love fest of what a genius and how he did this great and how he did that great and so on and so forth and seeing how he's grown as an artist versus this week. Um, I just feel well, like those you know, two guys had a similar starting place. 
Um, yes, well, but television is not the great equalizer. So you're <laughs> kind of assuming that the talent going in was equal when they oh, both started. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess so. But you, but but you like Chris Pratt, so okay, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I like him in the same uh, that my tuning fork for my like of who Chris Pratt was when he started was vibrating at the same frequency that my tuning fork for John Krasinski was okay. vibrating. Only now they are vibrating very differently. Okay, okay. I I I, I really didn't want to say you know like well then how come Urkel doesn't have a career. But, um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't even sort of saying, "Oh, it automatically means if you start there, you end up here." Okay. I just thought okay. it was interesting that those two guys came out of sort of the same television school in a way, or you they know, went through the same crucible. One thing this movie did that yeah. bothers me in a lot of movies like this. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the last time it came up was when we talked about Mad Max Fury Road, uh, and I I call it the the improbable custom maids do tell fury road actually is a great example yeah because you've got this uh this 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 ruling mob or gang whatever you want to call them that are holed up in a cave cave that's got a lot of working machinery in it for the (laughs) post-apocalypse they got these huge tanks and cranks and gears and people walking on hamster wheels and pipes and whatnot. <laughs> right, and it's right. like, so you spent half the apocalypse getting this mountain ready. What the hell was it there for in the first place? Like right. it, it was just too conveniently, like perfectly fitting into the cave right. that they had. Unlike and, jumping and, back. To, sorry. Unlike jumping back to last week where Killian Murphy found a, a foundry and ad- adapted it to the needs he had rather than correct. created this whole elaborate thing. Correct, yeah. correct. Well, and here it came up in, in ways like, so I guess oil rigs have a truss on them with heavy chains so mm-hmm. that when they pick up something wild from the ocean floor, <laughs> they right. can control it and study it. And they have a, a, a muzzle that fits that crazy alien mouth shape. Right, right. The perfect, uh, perfect um, yeah. fit. Yeah, it's like, oh, all right, so let me get this straight. So humanity is dwindling. Every available resource is like aiming a gun at, at these things. But you took out the time right. to work out a muzzle. <laughs> yes. The, 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 the only thing I liked image-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the movie, it's a small little detail. It's this uh, establishing shot. It's a it's Chris Pratt walking into work at this high school, mm-hmm. and without drawing a lot of attention to it, the principal's parking spot is a memorial with all kinds of crosses and flowers and stuff built up on it. Oh wow, I hadn't noticed that. I I like the idea that. The prospect of the future was so futile that, like, mm-hmm. someone in a leadership position like that, you know, maybe he killed himself or he was sent over there and never came back, you know. Right, right. It was it was just a nice little side detail. That's I it. I got you. I got you. That's um, about it. That is about it. Well, let's just spend a, just a moment on um, on J.K. Simmons because we've been raving about him a little bit. Um, can you recall when you when he first came to your attention? 
Before the Allstate commercials? <laughs> yes, before the Allstate commercials. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be anything big, but I, he did a few things very early on that got him a lot of attention that I didn't see. Where did I first, where did I first notice him? That's a really good question. I, well, you know, I haven't seen, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Whiplash, I hate to say. Right. Well, um, okay. You know, I don't think I know. I think he just sort of gradually came forward <laughs> out of the background. That's like, like, uh, like someone well, that's coming, someone walking towards you in the fog, you know, right. Like, <laughs> suddenly he was just there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I will say for me, I you watch very... everything. So, well, oh, but... maybe Juno or oh, no, I think, um, Spider-Man three, I think maybe was, I was going to mention Juno just because I thought that might have, um, I mean, but I can see he's got a credit uh, back in 97 on Spin City. I didn't even realize Spin City was even still on in 97. And I know I watched all of those, so I must have seen him. Um, and earlier than that, I don't really know. But I actually saw him in an off-Broadway musical in, like, 92 called wow. um, uh, Birds of Paradise about a small-town theater group. And, yes. um and so I can I can remember him. He stood out to me then, but that's you know it's different when you're looking at somebody in person and on on the stage the way they might affect you. But book by Winnie Holzman. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact. Um, Later, the writer of Thirty Something and creator of My So Called Art. Exactly, exactly. And writer and, of the book of Wicked. You are really up on here, Winnie Holzman. Yes. Um, hey, but. So it was this weird thing where I didn't realize it was the guy I saw on stage until until much later. But I would say Juno, he stands out. I would think with that voice, you would have recognized him again fairly quickly. But I guess it was a few years in between. So And, and you know, Cider House Rules, these are things I know I must have seen him in, but they didn't. he didn't sort of, like, lock in for me until... Until later no, on, I, you're saying Spider Man, and I want to say yeah, because I, I he he played uh, Jameson, the editor, right, of the paper, and he was just like he was pitch perfect. Absolutely, it was like Absolutely. it was like it was like that character walked out of the comic book and into real life. And he was on Oz, which I never saw at the time, and I, I really still have to go back and get. It. I got to figure out where it's streaming and and mm. and get it. So and Lady Killers, I saw, but um, I'm just sort of looking at. Well, Whiplash, certainly by the time he did that. But even that feels feels way too late. Juno is 2007. Is it? I thought Juno was older than that. Um, so we've covered a bunch of the ones that he did. But I just wondered for you, like, where you started to go. Oh, when he became, oh, that guy for you. Um, but it sounds like he just, I love that idea that he just sort of snuck in, you know. Oh, here's an interesting connection. He was in Parks and Recreation. Hey. And you, know? you didn't recognize him. I didn't. Or maybe well, by, no. By then, I probably did know it was him. But I just mean. You know, I don't think anyone's filed that under uh, IMDb's trivia page yet. You really should. Of, you know, that's very interesting that he and Chris Pratt are both in Parks and Recreation. <laughs> that's a. Yeah. Oh, I. That's going to get the thumbs you, up. That will already be in the Tomorrow War trivia. Um, speaking of which, not just speaking of IMDb, I mean, what's funny is for several of these actors, but not for J.K. Simmons. If you go to uh, Pratt's page or Yvonne Strahovski or Sam Richards, mm -hmm. uh, Richardson, um, what will happen is their, their regular photograph, their regular headshot 
will get taken over by a Tomorrow War um, picture. Like uh, as though there's interference in the, you know. But it doesn't happen for all of the actors in the movie. Um, so let's let's give credit or give blame where it's due and talk about Chris McKay, who, who destroyed this as a director. Uh, go back to animation. Um, yeah, seriously. Well, that's Stay away is. from real live people. It's all animation for him, and he has a, a Nightwing movie coming up, which is actually going to be, it looks like, live action. Um, and... I don't know. I have an interest in Nightwing a little Talk bit. Talk about failing up. <laughs> Jeez Louise. And he has a Johnny Quest coming. I wonder if that's going to be a live action of. And it's so yeah. funny because when I first heard about this movie, The Tomorrow War, I thought, oh, that must be based on a book or a graphic novel or something, which I don't think it was. Um, uh, no, I think it was an original story by some some hack named Zach <laughs> by Dean. By Zach Dean, yes, exactly. And when you look at his other stuff, you don't really see anything that that jumps out at you. It all seems like um, another failing upward, I guess. Um, so yeah, just the fact that he got something made. <laughs> well, yeah, it's he's got three. He's he's still got three more than I do, um, but. Uh, in any case, um, those those are the those are the real criminals. Uh, those the real two. criminals. It, the other criminals. Just on the topic of time travel movies, I will yes. sort of recommend. Uh, this was I thought this one was fun. Uh, my wife and I saw it during the uh, pandemic, I think. Uh, okay. So I don't think it was ever released in theaters, and it is called Palm Springs. And. In a very unlikely uh, turn, it stars Andy Samberg, TV's Andy Samberg. Yeah. But also features a certain Mr. J.K. Simmons. And um, and it is a time travel movie. Not exactly. It's almost, it's almost, it's like the bastard stepchild of Groundhog Day in a way. With it has Andy that feel to it with Andy Samberg. Um, and I found it surprisingly um, emotional, but hmm. it's, it has a little bit of an element of somebody reliving a day over and over again. And I guess the conceit of it would be, let me see what it actually has. Stuck in a time loop, two wedding guests develop a budding romance while living the same day over and over again. Um, yeah, that <laughs> is Groundhog Day. Well, it, with less motivation look, for someone to care. I don't think you know of where you speak, as you have not seen it. Um, I I would have gone into it with the same hesitancy that you currently have, and as I watched it, I was won over by the oh. fact that if you, for example, if you were stuck in a time loop for to essentially be forever alone, be the only person who knew that it was happening over and over again, but you had the opportunity to let somebody else know. But in doing so, you would doom them to now be aware that they were living the same day over and over again. Would you do that? And in some ways, this movie looks at that question. Which is not right. something. It's not. It doesn't cover the same ground in the same way. Um, no. But uh, it does. It is a time travel comedy. And I do, I do say, you know, go check that one out if you're interested in time travel movies and you haven't All seen... Right. This one, right. um, and All it's right. got a you know a heck of a supporting cast there as well, um, and and like that. So I interrupted you. You were about to say something, and I. No, I I, I don't think so. I think I was just. Uh... <laughs> 
No, that was just verbal apoplexy. Apoplexy. Oh, got you. Um, I more, more. I have more stupid questions. Oh, that, please. That, torpe- that torpedo the movie. Excellent. Ask um, me one or two more. So if that, uh, if if the wormhole portal, yeah, still works at the end of his future time, then what was the point of having a cruise ship drift into it and crash? What was the point, uh, story wise? Yeah. Uh, the point story wise was to ruin it so that he could not return. No, 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 no. What? But there was no. Maybe I'm too stupid for this. There was no. Su- there, there was no suspense generated. They didn't attempt to create a suspenseful moment out of maybe that thing gets broken and he's stuck in the future. Oh, I see. Wow. The cruise ship. The, 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 this cruise ship. I remember the cruise runs ship runs into the the base of. The, yeah. whatever that thing is sitting on it's so funny that you say this because what i will say in response i don't really have an answer for your question but i remember seeing the cruise ship and seeing what was happening with the cruise ship and saying to myself why is this happening and why does it matter to me and you're saying yeah. essentially why did you know they didn't make out of it what they could have made out of it other than spectacle it didn't seem yeah. to play but i think yeah. it's the reason the- why when he gets back they say we can no longer go forward. I thought the idea was, I thought the idea was, her plan was, you're going to go back, you're going to get it mass produced, and then you're going to bring back it, and and bring it back here and we'll use it to, right. to kill the things. But he cannot go back there, and he would want to in order to get there to save her, presumably. Although even that, I felt like, you're talking about changing time, guys. So the, the emotional well, no, weight... She, he, he, he would be going back... The, whatever the same amount of time is forward that he's going forward in his present. <laughs> they, I, I, no, no, no. I, they explained that at the beginning of the, the raft, raft on the stream. Raft's right, on the stream, remember? Right. Okay. So they can only send it to this one point, a fixed distance between the two of them in time space right. so that he, he, he goes forward. It's 28 years to the day later. He comes back. 28 years previous to that day later if he now goes back to the future in 48 hours mm-hmm. he's back in the future 48 hours from when he left from the point he left it's a fixed point that just keeps okay then i wasn't clear then i guess i wasn't clear enough on what her plan was because it always seemed to make as much if not more sense to me to intercept the aliens since the aliens have not yet landed in his present that he's going back to right it makes much more sense to use it at the point of um, inception so that the war never occurs. That's what I thought the plan was. Right. Which is why I couldn't understand why when he woke up, he's like, where's that green vial? Oh, you're clutching it. We couldn't get it out of your hand. Well, now's the time to say, hey, this is it. This is right. what you want. Right. But for some get, reason, get he hangs on to it, takes right. it home. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I. He makes a secret out of it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was one stupid question. What's the uh, What's the next one? Well, I, this is the okay. Big spoiler alert, everybody. Um, if late. a Moab is enough to take out the spaceship under the ice, then what the hell do they even bother with the toxins for? Hmm. Remember that guy's like, "Oh, I'm gonna die the way I want to die," ching, and then right, right. massive explosion. Supposedly the ship. And whatever aliens are still crawling around down there are, are all killed. And I was like, well, if you had that to begin with, 
And all he had to do was find the thing, plant it, and go. Right. <laughs> Why even bother with the fucking toxin? You're and so wake annoyed. him up. I am. I would have preferred. Yeah. I would have preferred that they ripped off Jurassic World or whichever one it was. Yeah. And that um, that the process of finding the the spaceship and mm-hmm. accessing it thaws them out early and then they, they they're going to be loose in the present right right instead of that's sort of what i thought when they cut the thing open and they started to go inside i thought now hang on a second this isn't supposed to happen for another 20 years or something and it's now going to happen now you're right that, i mean that should have been hey we we should have left time alone uh, we've just sped everything up. It's just only going to get worse. Yeah, it's fair worse. Enough. Yes. All right. I mean, I think, I, I think that really, like, we have done the. If you look at the 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 mission statement of of um, Hollywood RX, <laughs> yes, we've done we've done more work here in the direction of our mission statement this time out than we did talking about Quiet Place Two. Which was just this love fest where everything oh, was perfect. Oh, really? Okay. No, I loved, well, I loved it. But our goal here is to say they did it wrong. Here's how they could do it better. And I'm not even sure we can get to the. This is how they could do it better. But that's the best. Well, I think uh, I thought I just did. You did. No, I'm saying that's the best thing we've done so far. Here's what I would do. I would throw out everything except for that wide shot, and I would start yeah. over again. The memorial for the principal. <laughs> memorial yeah. for principals. In, those are the two signposts. How do we get from here to there? Oh, uh, that's, that's um, terrific. Well, I, one one thing though. Uh, yeah, we we talked about Yvonne Strahovski before. Yeah. Um, do you know she's Australian? I did not. I know just, that. I just learned this the other day. That's... And I'm kind of incensed. Oh no, incensed. Incensed, because what that means is, when they were casting *Handmaid's Tale*, mm-hmm. out of all the icy blonde bitches. <laughs> who came in and, and auditioned. Yeah. They couldn't find one good enough who was American. Another American role farmed out to some Absolutely. foreigner. And listen, it's one thing Ameri- when they farm them out to, to proper English British people, but farming them out to people from a prison colony, that's that's just a slap in the face to everyone. Icy blonde bitches of America, where right. are you when we need you? But you don't have the same objection to a certain extent with um, with her commander uh, Joseph. Who? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. He's he's also he British. Well, this was a joke. I was just. I uh, no, no, I understand. <laughs> you know, I know you were joking. I know you were joking. It's unfair um, to America to American actors to have someone else play an American. Oh, absolutely, and 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 they they come play our superheroes, and it's just offensive. It it's, is. Uh, get your own fucking heroes, guys. You it know where you don't have any. What name the British uh, superhero? There isn't one. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, Captain Horatio Hornblower. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Um, I know what I wanted to to do uh, to touch on here with you. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a jump back, okay. so maybe it gets. And then I think we, and then I think yeah, we can jump forward, yeah, into the next next portion yeah, yeah. of the show. We're, we're done here. I just wanted to touch back again briefly on uh, on an upcoming product uh, project that an upcoming project that J.K. Simmons is going to be involved in, yeah. and it is called Being the Ricardos, in which he will play William. Frawley. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes, I he's cannot, a great Fred Mertz. I yeah. cannot wait for that. Now, I don't know that he's playing Fred Mertz as such. He's playing the actor, William yeah. Frawley. Because um, I don't know if it's even a, like how much behind the scenes we're going to see. But uh, uh, the character of Jess Oppenheimer, and I'm not quite sure who that is. Uh, probably somebody in an executive producer behind the scenes type position. I, I think it, yeah, that sounds being right. played by Tony Hale, who himself is phenomenal. Um, Javier Bardem is playing Desi Arnaz. Nez, yes. This is going to be insane. Now here's where the thing jumps. Is this the, the thing where Nicole Kidman's playing Lucille Ball? This is, that's what that's I was exactly. just getting to. Um, and I, when I saw that, my draw, my jaw just dropped. It hit the floor. I was nauseated. I'm like, you couldn't find somebody who has less comic timing or talk about icy bitches. Uh, I really who Nicole Kidman? Nicole Kidman. I am not a fan of Nicole Kidman in the last twenty years. Oh, okay. I'll give uh, maybe the last twenty years. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. But would you say in general she's a good actress? Actor. Uh, Generally speaking, she has been in things where she was good that I like she, she has been phenomenal in just in, not but a really a long really long time, time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I don't see why she should be held to a different standard than say M. Night Shyamalan damn Australian another one see? another one you see it is keep circling back to the, me. the invasion they're infiltrating us so the part of it that has also has my attention, the last thing to be of note about being the Ricardos is that it's uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Um, oh, no. And it oh, yeah, you want to talk about no comedy timing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it follows Lucy and Desi as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. Who's so. playing Ethel? <laughs> oh, I mean, who's playing Vivian Vance? You know what? Um, I'm scanning through here. Vivian Vance is going to be played by an actress named Nina Arianda, whose face looks hmm. somewhat familiar, but I don't know her name. She was in Midnight in Paris. She was in Stan and Ollie. She was in Win Win. Have you seen Win Win? Nope. That's a nope, good nope. one. It's um, okay. It's uh, oh, who's that actor from that other thing? <laughs> here it <laughs> comes. Paul Giamatti. Here it comes. Paul, it's a Paul Giamatti. It's an independent film. Paul Giamatti, Amy Ryan, oh. Jeff Tambor, Bobby Cannavale, Burt Young. I mean, you got to see it just from that. Margot Martindale. What a terrific cast. I got to go watch that again. Um, where uh, he's a, a, a lawyer and a volunteer wrestling coach. Um, you know, just a story that little, little personal story that happens there. It's good. It's good, and he's good in it. So Nina Arianda is the actress playing Vivian Vance, and I don't really know her <laughs> super well. Um, <laughs> she's in The Adventures of Drunky. I can't believe it would come up in two separate shows. Um, that was a John Leguizamo one. Oh, yeah, she's in exactly. Billions. She's in Billions. That's what I know her from. And Goliath. Oh, I know her from Goliath. She's good. I don't wouldn't think of her as a Vivian Vance type, but she's good. Oh, now I can't okay. wait for this thing. We'll so see. Many things, so many things about it I don't like, and so many things about it I'm excited about. Uh, that should be very interesting. So we want to um, we want to get to this week's contest. We're very excited to talk about that. But uh, before that, we just do want to take another moment here to say uh, to remind everyone that the great news that we had um, that we are now formally part of the um, Forwardly Network. 
uh, which is, uh, as I said before, it's going to you know come in a little bit more as we go along. We'll be um, uh, highlighting some of the other shows that are on the network, too. Uh, and we're so glad to be part of this great group. And I just want to take a moment to talk about... Uh, to talk about one they have called uh, B-Watch Rewatch. Basically, if you were interested in B-movies and uh, B-TV shows, I never really thought of it that way, but that's kind of cool. Uh, these the, the hosts of that show really dig into that kind of thing, so I'm very excited to be uh, you know, standing shoulder by shoulder with them. I know uh, Dr. G is too, and um, we can't... No, actually, you're Dr. D. Oh, <laughs> I thought I said Dr. G. I'm drunk. No. I'm drunk with power. Is what it is. Oh boy! But uh, so so that was that was the network news. But also, um, you know, we're out there on social media. We want to include you in part of the conversation or to make you part of this conversation. He and I have been having this conversation alone for long enough. We want to hear some other voices. We want to hear your voice. So jump on the social media. Give us a say hello to us there. Check out what's going on with us on Twitter and on our Facebook page and uh, and Instagram and so on and so forth. You can look for contest rules there. You can submit contest answers there. Be part of the show in that way. We'd love to meet you there. Um, yes. And without further ado, I turn it over to my esteemed colleague. Well, thank you, sir. Tonight's listener contest is the following. Since we've spoken quite a bit about Mr. J.K. Simmons, this week's question is, what is it that connects J.K. Simmons to the following actors? Paul Newman, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson, James Gandolfini, Tony Shalhoub, and James Franco. What do all those actors have in common? Send us your answers. We will come up with a very deserving prize for the whoever for the first for the contest winner. Tweet it out to HRX Contest. And we'll gather them all there and we will choose a winner. We will crown a winner at random. I will certainly make the announcement here. Um, good luck to you all. And to all, good luck. I'll just do a quick rundown of those actors again. J.K. Simmons, Paul Newman, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson, James Gandolfini, Tony Shalhoub, and James Franco. The only hint I will give is that they are connected in the realm of movies, not television. So, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, as I like to think of you, we'd like to thank you for joining us once again. It truly would not be the same without you. For now, and until next time, the doctors are out. When the office for a young mechanic can be a panic with just a good looking can. And any barmaid can be a star maid if she dances with or without a fan. Hooray for Hollywood. Well, you're terrific if you're eager. Oh, to be an actor, be Mr. Factor, you'll make your kisser good. 
times did they say we're on borrowed time we're on borrowed time <laughs> well you know it's funny that you asked that because it seemed like there are a lot of places in the script where someone says you know this is our last chance and then he would say last chance for what and it's like for humanity stupid like <laughs> that happened like three or four times it's like they didn't say he was good at science they just said he was a scientist the Sidetracked Podcast with host Deke Antrim is the newest podcast completely dedicated to all things movies. Conversations with guests are always a hilarious and informative way to deep dive into some of your favorite films, TV shows, and anything pop culture related. Check out our latest episode in which stars Sean Young and William Sanderson give behind-the-scenes stories never heard before from their experiences working on the sci-fi classic Blade Runner. Follow us at Sidetracked with an apostrophe D.stream. Brought to you by the Forwardly Network.